All right, we're going to be in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2, passage I think I maybe have read more than any other passage since I have been a pastor, but Luke chapter 2, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. I love the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the book, the movie, the play, every version, I love A Christmas Carol. Uh, it is my favorite of the Christmas movies by far. Uh, I know I've got a few others. How many other people love A Christmas Carol? think it's like, all right, good. So I've got several that are big, uh, that are big fans. I've literally never seen a version I don't like. I've kind of been trying to add one version every year that I watch to, uh, to just get to where I've seen uh, most of them. I've tried to, to watch the different versions. I've read the book several times. I've listened to the audio book. Uh, my favorite way to see it is to see it live in a, uh, in a play. Um, I love everything about it. Uh, since Dickens released that story in 1843, the name Scrooge has become synonymous with greedy, angry, old men. Um, it has become uh, a word that gets used a lot uh, this time of year. Uh, but, but for me, I, it, there's so much more that's wrapped up into that because I just, I, I've gotten to where I'm, I, I'm a little like over the top uh, in my love for it. Actually, a couple of years ago, Emily got me, a, uh, uh, got me a gift for Christmas, which I still have not managed to get framed because it's a little bit of a different size. But um, I know this is not most people's favorite version of A Christmas Carol, uh, but it's my favorite movie version, which is the 3D animated one with Jim Carrey. I know people don't love that one as much, but... Um, but she got me this here, and this is actually autographed by Jim Carrey and by Colin Firth, who are in there. And uh, it's a pretty cool little, pretty cool little deal that she found um, that she found online to get for me. And so I, I, I love this little thing. I've, I've even got uh, that's not going to go in there. That's going to take forever. All right. I've even got uh, this this morning. If you can see, I've even got my my socks on this morning. Uh, say say bah humbug. I just I love a Christmas Carol. Uh, and um, almost every time that I watch it, whenever we get to the very end, and Scrooge has had his big change where he wakes up, uh, change from being uh, this kind of eternal, joyless curmudgeon that nobody likes, and, and he doesn't like them, uh, where he becomes this, this kind of guy where happiness cannot be contained with the life that is before him. I just, I, there's so much. I would love to stand up here and preach a whole message uh, out of A Christmas Carol, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but I think there's some things that, that, that we can draw from, but there's also some things that we can kind of acknowledge are a little bit off as we go, as we look at that, that, that movie. And whenever, the, the, the thing is, when you call someone a Scrooge, if you're, if you're around this time of year and somebody does something that you don't like and you call someone a Scrooge, usually what you mean is that they're either mean or they're just generally very like grouchy and unhappy, uh, or maybe you're, you're saying that they're, they're greedy and they're kind of tight with their, their money. But none of those things quite get at the heart of what Scrooge's real problem is. You see, what, what the story makes clear is what Scrooge lacks is Christmas spirit. Uh, and because of that, he's found himself without friends, without community, uh, and most importantly, he's found himself without any joy. But the issue at hand for us this morning is the question, what exactly is meant whenever we talk about Christmas spirit? What exactly is it that, we, that, 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 that is meant when we say the term Christmas spirit? And what happens when life isn't exactly going great and Christmas spirit seems like the last thing, uh, at least as our culture defines it, Christmas spirit seems like the last thing uh, 
uh, from your mind, and you really, ca- you, you really can't even imagine what it would be like to walk around uh, like Scrooge, kind of skipping around and making, all, uh, m- making life merry. So what we're going to do is we're going to start uh, in the book of Luke, and our goal this morning is to answer this question, um, at least in part, how do you feel Christmas spirit when you feel anything but Christmassy? How do you experience the joy of the shepherds, what we're going to look at this morning, when joy seems elusive in one way or another in your life? So Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to start. Uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be, uh, we're going to be in, verse, uh, in verse 8. Let me get there. All right. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel... Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the classic Christmas passage, which is why I think I've probably read it more than any other passage during my time here uh, at Providence. It is the classic Christmas passage, and it's been the core of our series so far this year. The series is Christmas for Everyone. Uh, And it comes from the verse here uh, in verse 10 where it says the angels are bringing good news of great joy. And as we've discussed the last few weeks, uh, that it is for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. And what we've seen is that is a remarkable statement that the angels would come and say it that way. One that probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't have made a, a lot of sense to any Jew that was living under Roman rule during this time. They expected a Savior. They were looking for a Messiah. Uh, They were expecting uh, that, that it would be good news of great joy for all the Jews. That's what they would have expected. Not for all, stop. They would have expected good news of great joy for all the Jews, not all the people. Uh, And so for for, for you this morning, perhaps you can kind of relate to uh, that sentiment just a little bit, that Christmas is good news and great joy for a lot of people. But maybe not for you this morning. Maybe not this year. Maybe that it is good news of great joy, like generally. And so maybe if it stops there, we bring you good news of great joy. Stop. Maybe that makes sense to you. To be able to say, all right, yes, I get it. This is the news it is bringing. It's good news. It should be for everyone. Okay, fine, I get it. Good news of great joy. Stop. But that's not where the angel stops. He keeps on and he keeps saying it is for all the people. He doesn't give any exceptions. The angel gives no exceptions for this. It says that this is news that is full of joy for everyone. And the question is, how do we get there? How do we get there? And I want to I stop here. I, I've gone back and forth about whether or not I should, I should say anything, but I'm going to. So I, I, I want to say this as we get started in the sermon this morning. I don't write sermons for specific people. Um, oftentimes I, I will have somebody that will come up to me or send me a text and they'll say, hey man, I so appreciate what you had to say. You were talking right to me. 
Listen, any time that that happens, I can assure you, that is the Holy Spirit doing work. That is not me. Um, I have never written a sermon. And I, I, can, I can say this in all honesty. I have never written a sermon where I have said, I'm going to put this in there for that person. My conviction is, if I feel that strongly about something, I just need to tell that person. I don't need to, I don't need to put that kind of passive-aggressive thing out there and hope they get it, because I've also kind of learned that they'll probably miss it. Um, like, generally, if you're, like, like if, if, if somebody's walking out and it's like, hey, did you hear that point? And they're like, yeah, I heard it. I was thinking about so-and-so whenever you said that. And I was like, no, that's for you. Um, no, that, like, I, I just know better than to, to do that. I don't put my, my sermons together and think, you know, so-and-so needs to hear this. However, I also realize that I'm not up here speaking to a microphone and, and putting just this random like podcast out there for anybody that wants to hear it. I am here speaking to you, to Providence Church, to the people of, uh, of, Pro- of Providence. And um, like this is not just anonymous faces. Uh, last week in our elders meeting, we were discussing a variety of different things, but we kind of ended the, the last little bit. And we were just talking about how this season here at Providence seems to be probably more so than at any point in our history as a church, just a very hard season for a lot of people. Just a very, very hard uh, season. Um, and this is not, again, this is not any, any one person in particular. I, this is, it's just every, it, it felt like for, for, for a couple of weeks, every text, every email, every phone call, it was something, something else somebody was struggling with, somebody was dealing with, somebody was going through, and, and just kind of that response of, oh, no, I hate to hear that. Oh, man, that's terrible. Goodness, not something else. And it's just, and, and, and this is coming from, from so many different people, so many different things, so many completely unrelated. It's just one thing after another. So we were lamenting this as elders and, 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 and just spending some time kind of thinking about how do, we, how do we do well to care for people? How can we do that? Um, better, and maybe you felt some of that same heaviness and some of that same weightiness that we as elders are feeling right now, and you're asking the question, um, even if you're not asking it for yourself, you're asking the question maybe for someone else, where is this great joy? And why does all of this have to be so hard for so many people? How am I supposed to feel the, 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 the merry cheer of Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol uh, and this Christmas spirit, when life seems so hard for me, or for my spouse, or uh, for my child, or for my friend, how am I supposed to uh, kind of celebrate in this moment whenever everything just seems like it just doesn't relent, and it's just so hard? Um, and I, You know, what we talked about in that elders meeting is I, I so desperately want to get up here and preach a message that's going to make it all better, and I just know that I can't. Um, and I wish that I could. But God's word does not come back empty. It does not return void. And so I believe that as we continue to study his word, as we continue to walk through this, that, that this announcement here to these angels, I think, has something for us. And so while this is not directed, this message is not directed towards anyone, I can promise you that um, I don't think any of us will be able to uh, read through this and not be able to think maybe just a little bit, yeah, man, I needed to hear that. At least that's my prayer this morning. So let's follow this text a little bit more and see where that takes us, see where we go. 
So this announcement that we read comes from an angel, and it comes in the middle of the night. You guys know the story. I'm not teaching you anything new about the Christmas story here. It comes in the middle of the night, and, and just like we said earlier, the, the, the angel shows up. First thing he says is, fear not, don't be afraid, uh, because the last thing that these guys out in a field expected was to be greeted by an angel that night. I think we can all agree just on the basis of life that the last thing any of us are going to expect uh, in the middle of the night whenever you're outside letting the dog go to the bathroom and then all of a sudden you don't expect an angel to show up, right? You're not expecting that to happen. Nobody expects the angel uh, to show up. So that goes without uh, saying. But these, these shepherds were just doing the same thing they do every night. The same old routine, same thing they've done every day, every night, night after night. This night was no different than any other night. They got up the same way. They walked to work along the, the same roads. They headed over to the sheep pen, and they did whatever you do with sheep in a pen, and they, they took care of them there, uh, and then they walked out to the fields, and they were expecting the same kind of night, just not doing much of anything, just chasing after dumb sheep and, and making sure there was no wolves to get them. That's all that they expected. And then the angel shows up and gives them this pronouncement. Now, the angels are obviously enough to, to make them just kind of lose it. The angels are obviously enough to, to kind of get them into this place where it's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Um, and, and which is why the angel starts with the, the fear not. But I've never really considered how completely confusing this message must have been to the angels. Like we read this pronouncement and, the, and, and my immediate thought is, okay, well, they heard it from an angel, so they're just going to go do it because... That's a pretty authoritative source, and this was pretty amazing, so I'm just going to do what they, they say. But I want you to think about the confusion that these guys must have felt. Here's the information that they're, getting, that they're, that they're given. The angel show up and says, I've got good news of great joy for all people. A baby has been born. This baby is a savior. This baby is Christ the Lord, which is another way of saying the Messiah who is the Lord. This is the Messiah, the, the long-awaited Messiah. So you, there, there, there's this baby. We got, we got good news. A baby's born. The baby's a savior. The baby's the Messiah. Which, so all this is pretty big, heady stuff, building up this baby in pretty amazing way, ways. And the announcement ends with a whole choir of angels, a multitude of angels singing a chorus of praise and glory to God. That is all pretty amazing. But sandwiched in the middle of all that, right in the middle of that announcement, uh, whenever all of these amazing kind of like big time things uh, are being said, what would you expect to be right there in the middle? The Messiah is coming. A chorus of, of angels has announced it. You've got trumpets blaring. You've got declaring this announcement. And, 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 and they're supposed to go look for him Where? Where are we supposed to go look for this, this wonderful baby that has been born in ordinary swaddling clothes in a manger? Not in a palace, not at the temple, but in a manger. I want you to think about how confusing that must have been for those angels. Now, there's a lot that's been made about uh, the manger that's probably not right. I, I, I've, I've told you all this before. Almost everything in our manger scenes are incorrect. Almost everything that, that we have. Um, it's, it's, it's almost certainly not some barn out back. Uh, it's almost certainly not some barn out back. 
Uh, it's probably more likened to like the front foyer of a house, maybe even the main room of the house on the lower level of the house, where it would have been a multiple-story uh, home. That's probably more what it is. It just so happens that this is the place where they also would, would keep some of their, their, their animals that would be there, um, that, that they would use for, for, for carrying things, for travel, donkeys, and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, like, it, it's probably not a barn. It's probably just a, a part of, of the house. Um, and the whole no room at the end is like, you know it's not in the Bible at all. Um, the, the whole idea that there's no room at the end is probably a bad translation and, and probably what it meant was there's no room for them in this family home that they had showed up at um, late in the evening. There was no room that was, um, that was available for them. So they couldn't go up to their own bedroom and to their own place. They had to stay in this kind of general family room where also the animals happened to be uh, kept. So, so it's probably not exactly what we've been told. But all that being said, barn or, or not, um, nobody expects that a Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, the birth announced by a choir of angels, the King of kings, nobody expects that guy to show up in a manger. That's not where he belongs, in a place meant for animals. That's not how that's supposed to work. That's not how it's supposed to look. Those shepherds had to, uh, had to see the, 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 the angels disappear, and I, I'm projecting a little bit here, so just go with my, my, my sanctified imagination here, um, but they had to kind of look around at one another and kind of start asking questions, like first, the first question had to be like, I'm not the only one that saw that, right? Like that had to be the first question that, that they asked when they looked, I, you all saw that too, right? This is not like... I've heard that I've heard that like shepherds see stuff. You all saw that too, though, right? We can't all see something at the same time, right? We all can't can't see visions at the same time unless it really happens. So, did you guys see that? Uh, and then when they start to head off to find this baby and they start to compare notes, all right, yeah, I think we need to go. I think this is the place that we need to be. Now, did you guys hear what I said? Because I think I must have missed something. Because I could have sworn the angel said that the baby would be in a manger, but that can't be right, right? And they're like, no, that's what I heard. No, that's what I heard too. And so they got to be looking at each other like, what is going on here? Like angels showing up, going to find the Messiah in a manger. That, that can't, I, I could have sworn that was wrong. But if that's what you guys say, if that's what you all heard, then I guess that's where we better go. And to top it all off, the most stunning part of the announcement might not even be what the angels had to say, but who they said it to. I can just imagine that part of their bewilderment uh, of the shepherds wasn't just that they had heard the announcement, but that they had heard the announcement. That they were the ones that got the announcement from the angel. Not some priest, not some king, not some prophet, not some scholar. Just ordinary, everyday working men out doing their ordinary jobs. Nothing special about them. Now, there's some debate about how low these shepherds were uh, on the, the social ladder. Were they bottom rung, which is kind of a popular way to talk about these shepherds? Were they on the bottom rung of the social uh, ladder, or were they more like, like second or third rung? So they weren't quite the very bottom, but they were second or third. I don't, I don't know where they fit on the social 
uh, ladder back during that time. But here's what I do know is they weren't at the top of it. They weren't anywhere near the top of it. Shepherds did not get royal pronouncements or angelic announcements. That is not the norm for a shepherd. They got to chase sheep, and that's pretty much it. But the fact that the announcement didn't seem to fit the audience, let alone that the, 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 the information in the announcement didn't seem to kind of line up with what anyone would have expected either, none of that stopped them. They went to see if they could find exactly what they had heard. So let's keep reading Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, the sh- at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Again, that little note that tells us Luke's probably getting this information from Mary. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So they all looked at each other, and they said, well, this angel didn't just give us this news so that we can sit up here in the fields and be like, wow, that was cool. We've got to go see for ourselves. Something this amazing, something this a little bit odd, demands our full attention. And so away they went. They saw, and then they told Mary what they had seen and, and what they had kind of experienced, and then they told a bunch of other people. And then they left. And that's pretty much all we have of the story. That's it. There's really not a whole lot here. They weren't given any kind of instructions about what to do when they got there. They weren't on a specific mission. They came completely empty-handed because they did not show up at work ready for a birthday party that day. Uh, they, they, they had no reason to expect any of this. They had no reason to expect for them to be in the story. Even if they had known this was going to happen in this city at this time, they would not have expected to get an invite on this day. There's no reason for the shepherds to be in this story at all. Have you ever thought about that? Mary, pretty good reason for her to be in this story. Joseph, all right, that connection is pretty close. Elizabeth and Zechariah, that kind of sets the stage, kind of prepares us, makes sense for them to be in this story. The angels, makes sense. The manger, it's probably not supposed to be there, but it makes sense for it to be there. The town of Bethlehem, for that matter, should be in the story. It was prophesied. All of those things either needed to be in the story or were prophesied to be in the story. They were all a part of the story and there'd be a gaping hole without all of those pieces. But not the shepherds. There was no prophecy that the shepherds would be there that day. There was nothing that demanded they be there that day. They literally serve no purpose in the story. Matthew doesn't mention them. He's not, he's, he, he, they're not in the story anywhere else. They serve no purpose in the story. Luke could have left them out and we would not have missed a single thing about Jesus. Other than that one paragraph announcement with information that we eventually get elsewhere, either in Luke's gospel or in the other gospels, they serve no purpose. Other than this, to show that they were there. 
and that they were a part of the story. And so it goes with us. Not that you and I don't have a purpose. You have a purpose every bit as much as those shepherds did when they headed out into the field that day to do their normal, ordinary work. You have a purpose. But when it comes to the story of the Savior, you don't belong in the story. You do not belong there. You add nothing to it. Nothing. If you weren't in this story, no one would ask, hey, where's Tony? Why is he not in this story? No, no one would ask, hey, 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 why is this person there? Man, I, I thought for sure he would be in this story. No one would say, hey, this story's incomplete without him. No one would have noticed that you were gone. But that is the beauty of the gospel, and that is the beauty of the shepherd's story. As Luke interviews and he writes, and as the Holy Spirit carries him along, we get the story of the shepherds who, as best I can tell, are in this story for one reason and one reason only. Because God thought it would be awesome if they were a part of the story. That's the only reason they're there. That's the only reason they're there. And I don't know about you, but I think that is amazing. I think that is fantastic. I mean, I, as I thought about this over the last week or two and I was considering this, I got plain giddy thinking about that. Like Scrooge at the end, giddy thinking about that. That they were in the story simply because God said, hey, you're in the story. They're in the story. They're on your mantle right now. They're on your like coffee table or wherever you've got your manger scene set up at your house. They're on your mantle right now because God said, I think that would be cool if those guys were there. And that's it. They're part of your manger scene because God thought he would include these ordinary guys that were doing ordinary things that were nothing special. And I hope that is a comfort to you this morning. I'm going to guess that walking in here this morning... That walking in here this morning, for, for most of us, the, the, the past few months have probably, in one way or another, kind of assaulted us. Whether it's through bad marriages, bad health, bad finances, a bad job. You kind of look at yourself, maybe it's just a bad spiritual life, I don't know. Maybe you kind of look at yourself and you think, I just don't have much to offer anyone right now. I'm not bringing much to the table. I know I felt that. And I'm going to guess most of you do, because this is part of what it means to live in a broken world, is that we feel the effects of that, and we feel the inadequacy of our own selves and our own lives in the midst of all of this. And we think, I'm not bringing much to the table. I have good news for all of us. Christmas is for everyone, and the shepherds tell us that's true. Their joy is overflowing as they walk back to the fields that night. They walk back, and, and it talks about how they, they told everyone as they were walking back, like, hey, guys, well, guess what we just saw? Hey, can you imagine that we just saw this? Hey, guess, we just saw this baby in the manger, and that, ma that baby is the Messiah. And I can imagine that the people had to be like, all right, whatever. What have y'all been drinking out in the fields? Like, what, what has been happening out there tonight? But they didn't care. They did not care how ridiculous it sounded or how ridiculous it looked. They followed the angel's instructions, and then they left full of joy because they had seen the Savior. They can't contain themselves as they're going. They're saying, guess what we just saw? And it is such a beautiful picture of how salvation works. We bring nothing to the table, 
But God chooses to gift us with the announcement of a Savior and the joy that he brings. God gets nothing, and we walk away celebrating and telling others about what we have just experienced. Friends, that is Christianity. That is the Christian message. And it gets a little bit closer to the Christmas spirit, uh, a little bit more than, hey, you should just be happier. It gets a little bit closer to the picture of Christmas spirit, those shepherds walking home, and I imagine probably looking a bit like Scrooge in that final scene, skipping the whole way. But there's one more passage that I can't help but think that Paul must have been thinking about the shepherds, at least in part, and certainly thinking about the manger whenever he wrote it where he teaches us what Christmas spirit is really about. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's just one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 9, he writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Let me read that again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In that one verse, we see the exchange that happens that, that day that the shepherds went to that manger and saw that little baby. The king of the universe, the maker of the universe in a manger. A human, in, in human flesh, fully dependent upon a mother and a father to feed him, to dress him, to clean him, and to protect him. Surrounded by a, a mother and father and these dirty shepherds that he created. Surrounded by these people and surrounded by these shepherds. And it shows that all of this was for everyone. And those shepherds that surround the, this, this, this maker of heaven and earth, those shepherds that, that are there surrounding him for that night, are there for one reason. Because God said, I think it would be great if these guys were there. That exchange, that exchange is what Christmas spirit is really about. God's Son exchanging His throne, His rights, His power, His glory, His rightful place for a, ma for, for a manger surrounded by shepherds that didn't even bother to bring Him anything, all for the joy of those shepherds. Just so they could be a part. Just so they could smile and know they were there. Just so they could experience the moment. Christmas spirit is not, not, not primarily about being happy or smiley or even downright giddy, though all of those things are certainly appropriate reactions. If you are looking for that Christmas spirit this year, remind yourself that the essence of Christmas spirit is that Jesus was rich but made himself poor, that through that you would become rich. It is the exchange of everything for nothing and nothing for everything. What a God we worship. By his poverty, those shepherds got to skip all the way back to their fields with faces beaming because they had been made rich and they knew it. 
the psalmist asks in Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the Christmas story echoes that refrain. Why would God care for us at all? Some of you are probably asking that question this morning. Some of you, because you, like the shepherds, don't think you bring anything to the table. Your life isn't exactly worthy of a standard banner article, let alone the royal announcement of an angel. And if your life did make the banner, it would be because of something you did that was terrible, not because of anything that would make you worthy um, to, to be there that day. And I get that, man. We all get that. All of us. We understand that. So some of you ask that question, why would God be mindful of me? I bring nothing to the table. Others aren't, aren't, aren't really saying that you have nothing to bring, but, but maybe asking the question, is God mindful of us at all? Because from where I sit, it doesn't seem like he's mindful at all. In fact, it feels like I've been forgotten altogether. In fact, it feels like, it, it feels like that. I, listen, I get it. I've been there too. I've been there at Christmas saying, man, what are we doing here? why does it feel so empty? Why does it feel so lonely? Why does it feel so hard? That's not how, this is, that's not how Christmas is supposed to, to feel. But, but then Christmas tells us that that's not the case, that that, that that is true. The spirit of Christmas is rooted in the person of Jesus and his willingness to come and take on our flesh. And when he takes on our flesh, that also means that he takes on all of our pains. He endures all of our loneliness, all of our suffering. And the scorn even of his own creation. He came and he suffered too. He felt it all too. But that's what makes Christmas so beautiful. That's how we know he cares. Because he came. Because he didn't leave us, uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't leave us alone to suffer endlessly and to endure, endure by ourselves. And it may seem like that at times, and it's hard to believe that God is mindful of us, mindful of us and that he would have any reason to care for us, and that, 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 that we actually matter at all, and that's when you look at those shepherds and you say, oh yeah. He had no reason to be mindful of them at all, and yet he does. Not reluctantly, not abrasively, not, not with a sense of, okay, fine. I'll do it, but I don't have to like it. No, he looks down at Bethlehem. Mary giving birth to Jesus. And God says, I'd like to tell some people about this. I'd like to make known what is happening right now. And he doesn't go to the rich, to the powerful, to a king, to a priest, or a prophet, or the educated he doesn't go to the religious. He doesn't go to the Pharisees. He doesn't go to all these people that could have underscored and verified this message that was there. He looks over in a field and he sees, sees some random shepherds doing some, some, some random work. And he looks over at, at some angels and he says, hey, go tell those guys. Hey, I want to send you all to go tell those guys. It's, it's, it's not prophesied. He didn't have to do it. But he says, you go tell those guys. And you just have to wonder if the angels are like, those guys? Why those guys? I don't understand. Why are these guys here a part of the story? I didn't know they were going to be part of the story. But they go. Because God's response is, they're a part of this story because I want to bring them joy. 
and that's it. That's it. They're a part of the story in order that they would experience the joy of the birth of Jesus. And he does it all to bring glory to his name and to bring joy to the people. All the people. Including the shepherds. Including you. Because that's what Christmas is really all about. So this morning, we celebrate and we worship a God who, who, who worked within, who, who, who not just worked within, who set forward all of these prophecies of exactly how these things were going to happen, who set forward before the foundation of the world how all of this was going to take place, who set forth all of these things and, and then worked within our, uh, within, within our world, within our humanity to make sure all of these things take, take place but doesn't do so in a cold, calculated, here's the steps I need to take, but instead says, you know what, I'm going to bring in the shepherds to be a part of this too, just so they can experience it. Friends, this is the message of the gospel. God works and he cares for us and he brings us along just so you can experience it. He didn't owe that to you, just like he didn't owe anything to the shepherds. You didn't have to be a part of this story. If you weren't a part of the story, nobody would have said, hey, why are they not a part of this story? And yet he writes a story and then he invites us to be a part of it. And he says, in this day in the city of David, Christ was born. And the shepherds went and they worshiped and then they left celebrating what they'd seen. I just pray that this morning, that message, that reality would sit with you. And that when you go home and you see those shepherds on that manger scene, you think, hey, I'm like those guys. No reason to be here. But invited to be a part anyway. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we consider all of these different things, we consider the story of the shepherds, we consider their, their faithfulness and their reaction, we consider why you would include them at all. Father, I pray that you would, you would use that maybe as a, as a balm to some hearts this morning, that you would, you would use that even in my own life to, 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 to remind me that, that you call us to a, a, a place and you, you, you walk a, alongside us and you've not left us alone, you've not left us by ourselves, you've not left us without hope, but instead, instead, Father, you've invited us to be a part. Even though we bring nothing, even though there's no reason we should be there. In fact, there's very good reasons why we should not be there. Father, help us to remember that it's good news and great joy for all the people, even us. In Christ's name we pray.